Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. Psalms 34, 8 to 10 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. We started last week, and it's just a sermon series, a hungering after the Lord. And this has just been stirring on my heart for a while, and, and it's just um, my heart's desire for myself, my personal life, is just to hunger more after God. And, and so kind of as I'm stretching in that, growing in that, God just kind of put it in my heart to just say, well, why don't I just kind of share it with you? That's kind of where we're going. And so the idea of this is just to stir up a hunger in our hearts, not for God's hands. Yes, we prayed for healing. We prayed for those things today. But to seek his heart, to seek his face, to know more what he desires in our lives, not necessarily asking for things. And so last week when I wrapped up, I encourage you to uh, pray throughout the week. Don't pray for uh, things from God, but to pray and ask God to show you his heart for your life and to show you his heart for what's going on in your life. Who did that this week? Okay, so same as the last service, failing grade. Um, just want you to know, Hard to get my kids to do their homework when we don't do our homework. Um, but I want to encourage you to try this. If you come, I'm just going to, just on that, because the first service did it too. I was nice to them, and I thought you guys would do better than them. Um, but I'm going to push back a little bit. Why do you come to hear a message and do nothing with it? Just a push. Just a push. I'm not sure why I would wake up early to come and to worship and to spend time in God's presence. And then, you know, it's encouraging for me as people stand. I'm sure, Pastor Carlo, it's encouraging for you as you stand at the back door and people are like, that was a great message. But the next day, the next week, when we say, hey, who actually did something with it? And the amount of people that don't raise their hand, it makes me wonder, do we come and go, that was great, good entertainment? I hope somebody else got something out of that. Or do we apply it to our own lives? Because my heart is that you take this and do something with it. My heart is that this shifts your, your life, it shifts the way you think. Because here's the challenge for you. If you want to see change in your life, you have to do something different than what you're doing. And so I encourage you this week, do last week's homework. Pray and ask the Lord, what is it, Lord? Show me your heart for my life. Show me your heart for what's going on in my life. Show me your heart for the situation. And let it change your life. This week is week two, and we're going to continue to look at uh, seeking the face of God. Seeking after his face. And 1 Corinthians 13, 10 says this. When that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. So when the Lord comes and makes things perfect, all the other stuff will be done away. 
But First uh, Corinthians verse 13, 12 goes on to say this. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. See, I'm bold enough, I'm crazy enough to think that when Moses met with God, he would meet like a friend face to face. And I'm just maybe weird enough to think that we can still do that. That I can meet with God face to face. I can spend time in his presence, spend time with the Holy Spirit, that it is like face to face with the Lord. To spend time in his presence, to hear his voice, to speak to him and see what he is saying and hear his heart, not just for my life, but for those lives around me that I can do what he is asking me to do. See, when we desire for the face of God, it comes in two parts. It comes in the first one of seeking his presence and in the second one seeking his favor. This morning, we're just going to concentrate on number one. We're going to talk about seeking his presence, about seeking the presence of the Lord. Now, I hope you understand that, yes, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's, all, he's everywhere that we can go. But realize there's a difference between him omnipresence and the manifestation presence. That's why the scriptures talk about when two or three are gathered, I'm there. There's a difference between, hey, he's always with us. And his manifestation presence is there. That's why when we get up and we talk and you hear somebody say, or maybe you're just in a prayer meeting, a Bible study or something, or somebody tells you they were driving in their car and they were worshiping and they just felt the presence of the Lord. Because there's a difference between I walk with God all the time and he's here with me, and then there's a difference when I'm praying, I'm worshiping, and his presence just falls into place. And it just comes into the room and you feel it. That is the presence of God that we're talking about. The presence of him being there all the time. See, the nice thing about his presence coming, the Holy Spirit just coming into us is in John 3, it talks about God pouring out his Holy Spirit without measure, without measure. He doesn't measure it. So he doesn't say, oh, just a little bit over Harlan and then just a little bit over Sandy. It's open to all of us beyond measure. So here's the interesting fact. If you sense and feel that you don't have enough of the Spirit, or you think somebody else does it, the person who cuts it off, the person who measures it in your life is you. We measure the Holy Spirit outpouring in our lives, and we stop it from pouring into our lives. We stop it because it's, um, we limit it only on this, let me say that again. Therefore, the only limit on the Spirit is us, and how we live in agreement with God, His kingdom, and His commands. So if you want more of the Holy Spirit, it comes down to how you live in agreement with the Lord. Do you follow his commands? Do you follow what he says? If we don't follow what he says, if we don't do what he commands, we hinder the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We stop it in our lives. So if you want more of the Holy Spirit, we talked about it last week, you're going to hear it a lot. If you want more of God's presence, you need less of yourself. Hear me, I'm not talking about thinking less of ourselves. I'm thinking of saying putting more of God first. I believe that a lot of times the presence of God in my life is hindered by me, not by him. It's by what I do, it's by what I think, it's by what I say that stops the Holy Spirit from coming into my life. He wants to come in all the time, more and more. Colossians 1.17 says... 
And he is before all things, and he is in, and sorry, and in him all things consist. He, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Everything consists in him. He created all things, and everything consists because of him. He is always around. He's always there. Therefore, he is in all things. If I ask this question, I'm sure everybody would agree with me, that no matter where you go, God is there. No matter where you go on this planet, no matter where you try to like walk into, hide into, whatever, how many people will agree with me that God is there? Everybody? Good, good. Simple illustration. Can I get a husband and a wife to join me? Volunteer or voluntold? Any teenagers or kids want to volunteer their parents? All right, so I'm going to tie you guys together. Back to back? No, no, just stand beside each other. Hey, honey. I'm not going to tie it crazy tight, even though that's what the youth are saying. All right, so here's what I want you to do, Eric. You don't have to hold her. Just let go. You walk wherever you want. Just walk wherever you want to go. Yeah, you can go up on the platform, sure. She has to follow you. You're doing pretty good. Not bad at all. Watch the step, though. There we go. So, as they're walking around and you watch where Terry's just following, she's just going wherever Eric goes. Now, Eric, I'm going to ask you a question. Realize I didn't prep Eric for this, so there's no assumptions here. This is purely an illustration. So, Eric, if you knew that wherever you went every day, no matter what you thought, said, did, ate, everything, if you knew your wife was literally tied to you going everywhere you went, would it change the way you behave? Again, I'm not assuming you're doing anything hugely wrong. Wasn't expecting that one. But many of us, your answer would be yes. Agreed? If we knew that our spouse, teenagers, if you knew that your parents were tied to you, wherever you went, whatever you said, whatever you thought, whatever you looked at, all of these things, they were right there the whole time. How many people know it would change the way we do things in our lives? So, I'll untie you guys. I think. There we go. Got it. Give them a hand. So, if we understand that Jesus is everywhere, and we understand that no matter where we go, he is there, Should it not change the way we think, change the way we act, change the way we behave, change the things we say, and change the things we do? 
Should it not even change the jokes we laugh at? Should it not change the times where we actually just remain quiet? See, I don't have to say anything to do something wrong. If I laugh, I agree. Sometimes if I just sit quietly at the lunch table while they rip the boss apart or while they rip somebody in leadership apart, I'm agreeing. See, a lot of times by not doing anything, we're doing something. If we know that the Lord is there all the time, should it not hold us accountable? A friend of mine, a mentor, he, he told the story of when he was a young, uh, he was a teenager. He was at a friend's house and they were watching, they were just sat down to watch a movie. And just as the movie started and they were into it a few minutes, he felt the Holy Spirit say to him, we need to leave. And he felt convicted that he needed to get up and leave. Here's the problem. He wasn't at a non-believer's friend's house. He was at a Christian's house. Bunch of guys from the church all hanging out. He's like, how do I get up and leave? How do I tell them that I'm not, I don't feel like we should watch this. And so he's wrestling. And he feels the Holy Spirit say again, we need to go. And he's sitting there and he's wrestling with his thoughts. And then he hears the Holy Spirit say this to him. You can stay, but I'm leaving. So he got up and he just quietly walked out. And he didn't go to his house. He didn't leave the house. He says he just went to another room. And within a few minutes, a friend noticed that he was gone and went to find him and just said, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just hanging out in here. How come? I, I just didn't feel right watching that. Oh, me too. So they sat down together. And then eventually another one and another one until finally they clued in that everybody thought it was a great idea to watch this movie and when they hit play, they just didn't know how to turn it off. Now, here's the interesting thing. He didn't get up and storm out. He didn't get up and just say, you bunch of sinners, how dare you watch this movie? You sure are going to burn in hell. No, he didn't say that. He just got quietly stood up and walked. There's times where God wants us to get up and walk out. We don't have to cause a scene by it. We don't have to be rude by it. We don't have to say anything. We just have to get up and follow the Holy Spirit because there's times where the Holy Spirit will leave because he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to see it. He doesn't want to be a part of it. Psalms 22, 3 says, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, the praises of your people. Wherever he is praised, he is. Wherever he is worshipped, that's where he is. When we sing to him, when we declare songs to him, when we praise him with our hearts, he is there. So I ask sometimes, do we worship out of desire or do we worship out of must? 
Do we worship on Sundays because, well, I have to is kind of what we do? Or do you have a desire in you to worship the Lord? See, if you have a desire in you to worship the Lord, one, it doesn't even matter if there is music. Two, it definitely doesn't matter what song's being sung. And you can worship him anywhere. You can worship him in your car. You can worship him at home. You can worship him here. And do you know that you can make a decision to worship him before you start? Do you know that you can, you can decide Saturday night, man, tomorrow morning I'm going to worship Jesus Christ. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to sing my face off. I'm going to cry out to him and just worship the Lord. You realize you can make that decision ahead of time? See, his, pres- his, pre- pre- uh, his presence begins to fall when we understand the honor of serving him. Through thanksgiving, praise, and worship. His presence begins to fall when we understand the honor of serving him. It's an honor. It's a privilege that we get to do. It's not something we have to do. It's not something we should do. It's an honor to worship the living God. I don't know about you, but hearing that, the fact that it's an honor, the fact that he comes into a place when we worship him, it stirs it in my heart to worship him more. It stirs in my heart to sing and declare who he is. It's an honor of serving him. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. See, I truly believe as a church, we should never be asking for volunteers. As Pastor Carlo asked for next Sunday for men to volunteer, there should be a lineup because it's a privilege to serve the Lord. It's not a must. It's not, well, Chad did a good job begging, so I'm going to go volunteer. No. It's a privilege. This is what God's called us to do, to be a part of the body of Christ. When did we get so selfish to think, well, I guess I'll help the church out. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us of the time that we think, well, God, I guess I'll give you my time. Jesus, thank you for letting me breathe this morning. Thank you for finding me and saving me. Lord, it's a privilege to serve you. Do you know there's people literally today giving up their lives just to serve him? And when I say giving up their lives, I don't mean becoming pastors, I mean dying. Dying. To do what you do freely. Our worship is meant to be about him and us worshiping him. See, the Holy Spirit, it helps us to enter into his presence. It helps draw us into his presence. John 14, 16, it says, and Jesus says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. See, the Holy Spirit came to help us, to help us, help us to hear from God, to help us interact with God, to get close to him, to be a part of who he is. This is what the Holy Spirit is for, to draw us into his presence. And here's the great thing about this verse, to be with you forever. Do you know what that means? 
It means that you will also be filled with his presence forever. You will sense his presence. You'll feel his joy. You'll enter into God's presence because the Holy Spirit was sent to be with you forever. Forever. And again, no limits are stated here. No limits on him at all. See, where we have to watch in our lives, we have to guard and protect against uh, Ephesians 4.30. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. See, the way we grieve the Holy Spirit, this happens when we do something that we're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to do something, but you do it anyway. This is when we sin. This is when we know deep down the Lord says, don't do this, and we do it anyway. See, here's what our actions say. I'll say it that way. Our actions tell the Lord we don't care. I say our actions because I believe every one of us in this room would never say to Jesus, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I just don't care. Deep down, I believe everyone in this room, you want to serve the Lord, you want to honor him, but when it comes to his commands, you will hear the Holy Spirit, and you also might not hear the Holy Spirit, but you just know what the word of God says, and you do it anyway. And when we do that, when we do that, we grieve the Holy Spirit. And when we grieve the Holy Spirit, he stops. Because just like my friend who couldn't, had to get up and walk out, when we grieve the Holy Spirit, he can't be there. The other thing that we have to be careful of is 1 Thessalonians 5.19 that says, do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Well, what's the difference between grieving and quenching? Grieving is when I hurt the Spirit by doing something I'm not supposed to. Quenching the Spirit is when I don't do something I'm supposed to do. When the Lord tells me, Chad, you need to go and do this, and I don't. That's quenching the Spirit. It's being disobedient. When the Holy Spirit says, I need you to go pray for this person, and we say no. When the Holy Spirit begins to start moving amongst us and we say, that's not the Holy Spirit because I'm uncomfortable. I'll say it till I die. The Spirit cares more about your holiness and righteousness than he does about your comfort. He will move whatever way he wants. But we quench him when we're disobedient in acting for him. See, I believe, and I know we've taught it, and I believe it to a point that if God is asking you to do something and you don't do it, if he really wants it done, he'll do it through somebody else. But there are times when it doesn't work that way. When Saul was blind on the road to Damascus, the angel of the Lord told Saul that a man named Ananias was coming to pray for him. Ananias argued with God. He didn't want to go. But he went. And when he showed up, a blind man asked who it was. And he said, it's your brother Ananias. And he received the prayers. 
How would Paul, Saul respond if Ananias said no and Paul's waiting for Ananias and a good fellow Christian named Billy Bob walks in? There are moments where God is asking you, you. And then what happens if you don't do what he's asked you to do? How does that feel? A friend of mine called me a couple weeks ago and he, he called and just was asking some questions about praying for healing and, and moving in the spirit and talking to people and, heal, and praying for people. And he asked me because that morning he was praying for somebody for healing, but there were people in the room, other Christians. You'd be surprised how intimidated we get with Christians. Am I praying right? Am I not praying right? And he called and he said, I was supposed to pray for healing and I prayed, but I wasn't as bold as I know I was supposed to be and my gut is killing me. He's like, I just feel horrible. And he asked me, how do you get past this? How do you pray for people when you know you're supposed to? And how do I get rid of this feeling? And I told him, you only get rid of that feeling when the feeling of missing out outweighs the feeling of I'm going to be weird. I've missed too many times in my life when I know God has asked me to pray for something and I don't. That feeling inside of did I miss something? Did I miss a miracle? Did I miss touching somebody's life? Not me, you hear my heart that Jesus moving in somebody's life because I was nervous of what Zach was going to think. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. The only time that I get over what Zach thinks is when that pain is less than the pain of did I miss something with God. That's when it only works. When you begin to fear what God thinks more than what the person beside you thinks, when you want more of the Lord in your life, you have to press in and you have to realize that what he thinks is more important. I've missed too many times. That's where I lose sleep at night. Lord, I didn't do what you asked me to do. Do you know that Moses missed out on the promised land because he hit the rock instead of speaking to it? The miracle still happened. Water came out of a rock. And God said you were disobedient. You were supposed to speak to it. I don't want to miss the Lord. I never want to grieve him again in my life. And I never, ever want to quench the spirit. It breaks my heart when I think of the times in my life where I've grieved him. Because I knew I wasn't supposed to do something, but I did it anyway. And it scares me of the times that he's asked me to do something. And out of fear of men, I quench the spirit. I share this with you because I don't want you to experience it. 
learn from my mistakes. Learn from other people's mistakes. When he asks you to do something, do it. Because here's the amazing thing when you pray for healing. It has nothing to do with you. Nothing. Well, then, Chad, he can use anybody, but he wants to use you. He wants to see your faith rise. I was up through the north this week speaking at some men's events, and on Wednesday night, I met these three guys in, Sud- in uh, New Sudbury. These three older men were there. Um, that was basically all that showed up, uh, these three guys. And we didn't know really what to do because you're like, do we really do worship and preach and everything? Just these three guys. There was actually really two. The one guy showed up at 8 o'clock. I say he was a solid Pentecostal. Um, we were supposed to start at 6.30. And so, but this guy showed up for me. By that, he had no idea was coming. He showed up because the Lord wanted to minister through him to me. And I went there to minister that night. And I'll tell you, the guy who traveled with me, we sat there and listened to these guys talk and tell stories about the Holy Spirit and how he moved in them and what he was doing. And we sat there and we said to them repeatedly, they're like, oh, we're talking too much. And we're like, no, no. Tonight is for us. We're being selfish. You guys just keep talking. These three old guys told their testimonies of how they got saved and how they gave their hearts to the Lord and and amazing stories. But this guy who showed up at 8 o'clock, he came from me. And the one guy who kind of was in charge, and by that I mean they do an early morning men's prayer every morning. These guys get together and they pray for an hour. They worship the Lord together. We went to their prayer meeting the next morning. They worshiped to an accordion. It was like the coolest thing I've ever been a part of. But the one guy just kept hitting his friend. He's like, tell him this story. And he'd start telling stories of people that he's healed through prayer. And he'd just like, all of a sudden, he'd be like, oh, tell him the story about so-and-so. And he'd be like, what story is that? This one. And he'd start telling the story. And then all of a sudden, the guy would catch on. He's like, okay, now you tell it. And he would tell the stories. Here's the coolest thing I love about all the stories is the way the guy prayed. Now, normally when we say that in church, People are like, oh, how did he pray? Because I just don't think I pray right. Tell me how he prays. And I kid you not, because he prayed for me and my family. Lord, he's a little French. I won't even try a French accent. But Lord, you know that so-and-so needs their hip healed. So Jesus, can you just heal them? In the name of Jesus, amen. That's it. And people were getting healed. People were getting delivered. Don't ever think, well, I don't know if God can use me. I don't pray eloquently. When you pray for healing, let me just tell you this. I'm just stretching and talking about healing for a minute, but pray for anything. But when you pray for healing, it doesn't have to be long. If you see Jesus and the disciples pray, they just spoke to them and said, oh, Your legs don't work? Get up. I had a mentor who who has the gift of healing, and he told me this. He goes, Chad, when we pray really long for healing, it's because we feel bad for the person and we're not sure if God can do anything. That's why on a Sunday morning, I'll pray, but usually when it gets to the healing part, you'll hear me be very short and just hit it because it's the Lord. It has nothing to do with me. 
So that's the amazing part. I don't take any credit and I don't take any blame. That's how it works. We don't ever want to quench the spirit. Jesus was the only one who set an example of a life that did not grieve or quench the spirit of God. Hebrews 10, 19 to 22 says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith and with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. See, as we took communion this morning, it's by the blood of Jesus and through the tearing of his body that we have a new way to walk through the curtain that was torn the day that he died so that we could be re- walk into the holy of holies that we weren't allowed into before. We are now allowed to walk in and because of that, we are sprinkled clean and washed pure and so we can walk in confidence to enter into his presence. Jesus made it possible by dying for us. And we have access now to the presence of God. So I have two questions for you this morning. Question number one. How should the knowledge that you have the same access to the Father that Jesus has affect your thinking and behavior? Knowing that you can have access to the Father the same way Jesus did. How should that affect your thinking and behavior? It should transform the way you think and behave. Question number two. Is there any area in your life in which you have stopped trying to fulfill God's commands because obeying him seemed too difficult or even impossible? When it comes to, uh, when it comes to, My brain just left me. Wow. When it comes to grieving the spirit, there it is. What areas of your life that you've almost just basically given up on? Chad, I really want to stop doing this, but I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. And it seems it's just a thought pattern. It's a habit that's in my life and I just can't get rid of it. This morning, I believe through the power of the Holy Spirit that he wants to help you because here's the thing, you're never meant to do life on your own, so you're never meant to conquer that on your own, period. And he wants to help you this morning. So let's just close our eyes and just privacy through the room. I'm gonna ask you the second question. I'm just gonna ask you again, Is there any area, and understand my heart as I ask this question. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if this is you, but I just want to kind of clear the air for you. That if you raise your hand, I just want you to know that I'm not standing up here going, ooh, what is it? And I'm not standing up here with judgment because my hand is raised. So is there any area in your life 
in which you have stopped trying to fulfill God's commands because obeying him seemed too difficult or even impossible. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand. I'm just going to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I want eyes closed throughout the room. And just hands up if there is a thought pattern, if there's a habit, if there's something you know just needs to change in your life. And you're just saying, Chad, big or small, I just need some prayer. Thank you for your honesty this morning. Thank you. You can lower your hands. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to close the service. Father, I thank you for everyone in this room, for the ones that raised their hands and the ones that were too nervous to raise their hands, that saying, Father, this morning, it's so hard. It's so hard. And I pray, Holy Spirit, for you just to come right now and strengthen them. That, Lord, they realize and they know it already that it's your voice that they hear when you say, don't do this. And, Father, I pray just the promise of your scripture that you will give them a way out. Help them to take it. Give them the strength. So, Father, for the first time in a long time, they take a way out and they don't give in. And they're able to hold their head high and go, I did it. I did it. And that, Father, through that one time, getting it right, they begin to believe not only in themselves, but believe in you more. And that, Father, through your strength, through your abilities, they're able to walk life stronger and healthier for you in the name of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray for breakthrough in the room. Pray for freedom in the room in the name of Jesus. Father, I ask you to guide us and lead us this week. As we walk for you, as we interact with people, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you give us strength, and that, Lord, you help us to find the people you need us to share you with. And so, Father, guide us and lead us and protect us. And, Lord, I pray that we pray this week seeking your face, not your hands. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you. And that you come back and check out next week's message as well.